1: You're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Now, today, we're going to have a guest on who we've had on before. He's always fun. Who is
2: it? It's a longtime sports caster, worked with KGO Radio, the top rated uh, radio station in San Francisco for many, many years. Morning Drive sports announcer. He also did the 49ers sidelines and pre and post game shows. For a number of years, my good friend Rich Walkoff, and uh, we're going to talk some NFL and talk about the current today and what's happening. But also, I'd like to get some thoughts uh, from Rich, who got to be around during the glory years, and also maybe – you had some thoughts that you want to throw out there about football. Well, he must
1: be excited because they're on a
2: one-game winning streak. <laughs> <laughs> that's right; they finally won a game. But on a serious note, maybe we can get some some uh, you know read on on what's going on with this uh, you know brain injury thing, the, the CTE, and, and how that's okay. affecting the long-term future of the league.
1: Also, wanted to uh, bring up uh, Jerry Jones threatening to move <sighs> the Cowboys to Canada. Oh God, well, Jerry <laughs> Jones good, is, is nuts.
2: <laughs> He really is. Well, first he's, he's a first side he kneels, he's,
1: and he doesn't kneel, and then he kneels. And yeah, he kneels. He's a sideshow and a sideshow.
2: So anyway. Yeah.
1: All right. When we come back, we're going to have Rich Walkoff on. And uh, this segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, still providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding over 7.5% secured by real estate. doesn't get any more conservative than that. The average loan value is only 56% in their fund. And by the way, for... People who can't qualify for the fund because you have to be an accredited investor, which means you have to have a, a net worth over a million dollars exclusive of your home, Wow! or you have to make $200,000 a year individually or $300,000 a couple. I guess keep, couple. that keeps
2: me out. That keeps all of us out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However- That's Not that far off, though.
1: No. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, however, yeah. though, um, they do have a new website uh-huh. uh, called uh-huh. privatemoneyloans.com, uh-huh. so for those people who can't qualify under the fund, under those right. uh, accredited investors, they can buy existing loans that are still currently yielding about 7%. Hmm, interesting. And they can be, uh, uh, it, rather than in a fund, they can be in the specific deal themselves. So Is it true that business
2: out. in America is business? Versus non-business? No, just asking. It's business? Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay with us. More tcom 101. We'll be right back. <laughs>
3: PacificPrivateMoney.com.
5: You're invited to share in our uplifting celebration of togetherness and community this holiday season at Transcendence's Broadway Holiday Spectacular. From the creators of Broadway Under the Stars comes this inspiring holiday spectacular featuring performers from Broadway shows such as Wicked, White Christmas, Les Miserables, and many more. Packed with holiday favorites, showstoppers, and modern twists on some of the season's most heartwarming songs. Reserve tickets now at
4: BroadwayHolidayShow.com. Filling an opening at your company means more than just finding an employee. You're looking for a fit, a match. Robert Half understands that. We know you need someone who can do the work, someone who complements your culture. And, of course, you need that someone fast. When it all comes together, it makes for a perfect fit. Satisfaction guaranteed. Robert Half, the matching experts in accounting, finance, IT, legal, marketing, and administrative staffing. Visit roberthalf.com for more information. Anchor.fm is a great new platform that has some of the coolest audio on the planet. You'll find Rick Tittle's comedy spotlight and his interviews with all of today's biggest comedians, plus the best in politics, music, and more. Anchor has it all. And if you want to get in on the action, you can start your own station and be the DJ you've always dreamed of. If you're looking to launch a podcast, Anchor is the easiest way to begin. And with so many ways to interact with your listeners, you'll be destined for greatness. So check out the comedy spotlight and more at Anchor. FM.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, who's on the phone?
2: Well, we got Rich Walkoff, longtime uh, friend and colleague. And we mentioned to those that weren't listening that Rich worked for many, many years, over three decades with KGO Radio in San Francisco, which is the at the time was the number one radio station in the Bay Area. And they were the flagship station of the 49ers during most of their great and glorious era. Uh, Joe Montana and Steve Young, which lasted oh, the better part of two decades. You know, Rich, uh, Edward and I have a number of things we want to get into, but I'm I got You know, i I'm an historian, and I, I got to cover those teams as you did. You were covering them more closely. What was it like covering the 49ers during their heyday when, when players didn't move around so much hmm. and you had this aura of invincibility at Candlestick Park?
7: Well, it was pretty epic and historic, as you point out, Bruce, because so many guys were extraordinary in their gifts as football players, but also, not coincidentally, tremendous people. I I don't think it's any coincidence that Bill Walsh created this tremendous legacy with the likes of Montana and Young and Lott and and Rice and and, and on and on with so many high-quality guys. So the locker room was uniquely bonded, and Bill created – this group of intermediaries between the coaching staff and and the roster, who were kind of his link to the team, and they would tell him if he was pushing too far or they needed more of this or that, and uh, it was very integrated in in the way the organization was was running, and you know it was the epitome of what success is all about. The, 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 the team didn't have a say in. Play calling and uh, and obviously personnel moves, but they were integrally involved in how they were preparing for battle, if you will. And and Bill Walsh, a, a, a praetorian historian, if you will, he too was was harkening back to the the leaders of in great military sense and brought that into his coaching style with a force.
1: You, you know, Rich, it's interesting you mentioned that because just coincidentally last night I went to a, a men's group meeting and one of the guys was saying that he had heard a speech from a guy who was a Navy SEAL and he said that the, the way that they conquered fear was the love that they had within the unit for each other, that each one of those guys would have fallen on a grenade for the other and that conquered the fear because otherwise the fear will just take you over. So I can kind yeah. of imagine same thing in the locker room if you have complete you know respect and honor for your teammates you're going to have their back and you know that that sort of mm-hmm.
2: thing. Yeah and I I've noticed that also with with the Warriors uh, with the Golden State Warriors with Steve Kerr who has really um well educated background he's you know he lived abroad uh he, he has helped to, to bring back the international style of play to the NBA. And, and again, I think this all comes down to, to people, uh, the quality of people. It's no coincidence that even though Bill Belichick is, is a, a curmudgeon, um, he surrounds himself w- with pretty good people and also with with smart people who can work together well. And I think that's that's a key you see in San Antonio with Greg Popovich's team. It's a key with all successful teams. The Yankees had a system that worked well for many years. The Dodgers have had a system that has worked well for many years. The Lakers in the 1980s and before that in during the Jerry West era. So, um, you know, there's a common theme there.
1: Almost, yeah. with, the, almost with the Dodgers. They keep just, well, just, yeah. just short. But they're always there, you
2: know, with the rare exception. And they're at least a, a contender with rare exception. Yeah. But, Rich, you know um, – we we were talking edward and i just briefly about the the nfl it's just my opinion and i'm i'm not sure if a lot of other people share this i think i don't think this whole thing about the kneeling uh for you know protest of, of police violence uh by african american players and some uh you know caucasian players is the main problem that is hurting the nfl i think it's again has been for a number of years now since the revelations came out the brain injury thing, I mean, that to me is going to steer a lot of parents to, to push their kids into sports that are safer, and as Harry Edwards was pointing out, the great sociologist and former sports activist who worked with the 49ers, and you know Harry quite well, the, the kids from the disadvantaged homes and the you know, the homes that are really the on the, on the edges of, of, of dire poverty are going to be the kids that, that look to football as a way out, and as a result of that, um, they're going to be fewer and fewer of the mainstream fans. They're going to identify with the NFL. Well, I mean, what?
1: Your, well, wait, let me add one thing yeah, yeah. to that because um, there's also the part about you know how us fans look at the players as gladiators, right? And they've done so much to protect players that. You know, the average fan, you know, wants to see blood and guts. Remember, Y.A. Tittle with the the
2: oh, blood yeah. streaming down. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, no, they don't well, necessarily that's been want part to see blood. That, that's the part of the the appeal, the big hit, the uh, yeah. the, the great uh, open field. You know, uh, spear of a guy hitting another guy and yeah. knocking him out. I remember George Jackets and knocking out Lynn. Swan. I mean, Rich, you mm-hmm. covered football closely. You were on the sidelines. Uh, you know, you get swept up in all that. But I, I, do you think fans are 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 kind of getting turned off when they hear these stories about long term? health effects, and and especially the ones who have kids that are growing up that want to play the sport?
7: Well, I don't know if it's turning off fans from viewership Mm -hmm. or attendance, but it's certainly impacting the amount of kids playing Pop Warner football and uh, pursuing a career beyond that as, as high school and college programs struggle to maintain even you know, the bare minimum or keep programs afloat. Ironically, I just did a long-form interview with Chris Orland yesterday, the former 49er linebacker who quit the NFL after his rookie season where he was one of the best rookies in the league for over concerns about CTE. And a very erudite, intelligent, uh, thoughtful young man at 24 years old, he walked away from millions of dollars, fame, glory, and all that he loved because of his concerns that he would not be a fully functioning adult if he continued to play. He calls the game intrinsically, inherently dangerous, and Roger Goodell has recently come out with the quote that football has never been safer, (laughs) and and Borland and I agree that that's the most disingenuous comment he's ever made because players are bigger, stronger, faster, the pure physics of it is undeniable. And although the NFL is trying to temper the, uh, the danger with taking away the hits on defenseless players and protecting quarterbacks, you can't change the violent nature of the game without eliminating the game. And as to Harry Edwards' comments, he said to me, watching practice a few years ago, that the NFL in five years will be 90-plus percent African-American because of the comment of the, of the sentiment that you just expressed, Bruce, is that only the parents of the underclass will risk the health of their kids because in some ways it's more dangerous on the streets of the inner city of America than it would be on the football field, and at least you have your chance at glory, whereas if you never pursued it, you wouldn't, and you could elevate an entire family or, or group of people if you succeed. And parents of more affluent... And uh, more with, with other options and, and uh, available to their kids will tell their sons, no, that's not something. Well, you will be. And, and does
1: to does that mean that we will see more white players playing basketball?
7: Well, I don't think quid pro quo in that respect, but well, we do. You you are seeing more European.
1: True, true. true. I, I was just thinking that. Okay, so if I'm a parent and I've got uh, and I'm white and I have kids who I'm concerned about. Danger in football, I'm going to push them to another sport. So that could right. be baseball, well, basketball, be soccer. soccer.
7: Basketball, yeah. any number of things. Yeah. So I don't think you could say race divides the storyline as much as socioeconomic. Mm-hmm. So, an mm-hmm. often case, we do find a higher percentage of uh, impoverished minorities living in the inner city willing to take the chances to play football as a way out, if you will, versus middle class, urban, uh, often, Anglo uh, Americans yep. who might say, "Hey, not my kid," it's too risky. Go play tennis. Go play football. yeah, ten- yeah, or sure.
1: Else. All right, uh, Rich, stay with us. Uh, we are going to cut to a first commercial break here. Talk. Uh, I forgot to mention the f- the theme for trivia questions is football. Oh, there you All go. right, and cool. we, Rich, remember if you know the uh, know the answer, don't say anything until we get back. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's our first trivia question. Throughout the entire twentieth century, there was only one NFL player who played in 20 seasons for the same team. Who was that loyal player? That's our trivia question. Email Edward at sportsecon 101.com. The answer to that question, don't touch that dial. We're gonna be right back.
8: Call now for your free face to face consultation. 800 813 9940. 800 813 9940. 800
5: 813 9940.
9: Your process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit. But you must act now. Call 800 274 7312. 800 274 7312. Not available in all states. paid not an attorney spokesperson.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ One Hundred and One. Edward Brown here, along with Bruce McGowan. First trivia question: Throughout the entire twentieth century, there was only one NFL player who played in twenty seasons for the same team. Who was that loyal player?
2: Rich, you want to take a stab at that one? Well, I thought it was kicker Morton Anderson of the Saints.
1: That's what. That's what I would have. I would have guessed that,
2: too, I w- but it I wasn't. Would, though. I was thinking of a, a lineman, uh, uh, Matthews, uh, Clay Matthews. There's Clay Matthews. There's Bruce Matthews. Who played with Houston, and then I thought of George Blanda, but George Blanda played with the Bears. He played 26 years in the NFL. He played with the Bears in the NFL for George Hallis, played with the Houston Oilers and then the Oakland Raiders. So it wasn't him. It
1: wasn't uh, wasn't any of those guys, but he was an offensive tackle. Yeah. He played for the Rams.
2: Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know who you mean.
7: Uh, not, not. Hey, oh,
2: gosh. Not Jackie Slater. Yes, Jackie Slater. Jackie Slater. Slater from 1976 I, whoa, to 1995. I hope he's doing okay. Boy, those, those, those offensive knees. linemen yeah, get a... They get a beating. You know, it's interesting. We got Rich from, from a longtime sports announcer from the, the Bay Area with us. And, Rich, you know, offensive linemen take a fierce beating. But in terms of, you know, these open field collisions head-to-head, they don't. you don't see that many offensive linemen concuss like you do, say, linebackers or wide receivers or running backs. So maybe that's the key is yeah. <laughs> you know, there's more places to hit an offensive lineman. I remember Lincoln Kennedy, the big 6'9", oh, 320-pound Raider tackle. I used to see him after the games, and I'd say, Lincoln, are you okay? And he goes, I'm just hurting all over, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just seems to me, if you, you know, you're talking about Chris Borland, linebacker. I mean, there's a guy who, would you know, the linebackers have to have yeah. that kind of kamikaze mentality, don't they?
7: Right. Well, he did, and he, uh, I, I, he was like a missile uh, huh. projectile throwing his body in harm's way all the time, endemic to the nature of the position in the sport. But beyond the head-to-head hits, which get, I think – too much uh, attention over the underlying physics of contact when the brain is sloshing in the yeah. cavity of the skull. Any contact, helmet to helmet, shoulder to shoulder, chest to chest, is going to yeah. gender that kind of movement, sure. which is what's triggering CTE, the chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is such a damning Indictment on the nature of the sport, which has really put the NFL in harm's way, literally.
2: Yeah, it's too bad too because I, I think, as we talked about it earlier, and not to sound negative here or cynical, but violence is an inherent part of the human condition, and it also, if you look at the history of our nation, how many wars we've been involved with, football is kind of almost an extension of that. I mean, Maral Davis and you talked about it earlier, Bill Walsh. They would bring up, uh, you know, famous. Uh, generals and, and yeah. battles and, and so on as examples to kind of stir their players the game is only one event so it is kind of you know once a week so it is kind of like a battle a war and you almost have to have that mentality you do have to have that mentality to succeed I think in in football yeah. I mean well
7: look look it's all about gaining territory marching into the other into your opponent's into your opponent's turf to gain access to the Holy Grail, the end zone, and you outflank your opposition. You, 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 you try to uh, maneuver around this, that, or the other. Well, obviously, the, the parallels are tremendous, and the NFL trying to capitalize that with all the, uh, the pageantry of flags and its re- recent alliance with the uh, Defense Department and Pentagon to, to herald all that stuff. Uh, you know, playing up the, the patriotic themes and the like, which, uh, you know, that, that's a whole other storyline. But there's no question about it. It is, it is a battlefield. The only difference between war and football is there are survivors in football, at least in the short term. But in the long term, it's tremendously debilitating, and its future is very murky. The rate, or the revelations of the health risk.
1: I wonder, uh, a guy like Jack Lambert, you know, who is just a beast out there, uh, how he's doing, or, or Dick Butkus, you know.
7: Well, they're not they're not well. Most of them, And, in fact, the Pittsburgh Steelers, notorious steroid users in the seventies, in the steel curtain defense. So many of them were afflicted with either early death, Alzheimer's, depression, suicide. I mean, horrible, horrible consequences. Yeah. To the dangers of playing the game uh, at a time when the illegal hits were few and the abuse of the uh, drugs and the uh, performance enhancing drugs specifically was rampant.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned uh, some of those names. Ray Mansfield is the one that comes most prominently to mind, the uh, offensive lineman who. Who later uh, died as as a result of the CT and was used by that doctor? I can't remember his name. Benjamin Benjamin Amayu, I believe his name was, who who studied him and and came up with this uh, not a theory, but a uh, you know his his results, which he presented to the NFL, much to their chagrin and their horror. And um, you know, ever since then, that was what four or five years ago, six or seven or years Mike ago. Mike Webster, right? What was I, it, I, Mike it, Webster? Mike Webster. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking of yeah. Ray Mansfield offensive linemen that's yeah. a problem with them they're so anonymous but yeah Mike yeah. Webster very good yeah. the center who was right yeah. in the middle Jim Otto um who we yeah. both know and all three of us know uh, I know Jim personally pretty well he is just turning 80 and he's had I think in the neighborhood of 75 operations mm-hmm. his brain seems to be in pretty good shape amazingly but his body is just he's got one leg Um, He's got a couple of shoulders that have been replaced. Uh, One time I went on his Facebook page, and he was quoting some some psalm from—he's a very, very very strong uh, religious guy—quoting some psalm from the Bible as if he were about to die. But Jim is just an amazing survivor. I think if he was in the war, he'd be the last guy down.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm thinking you know, a center, unless you're going against Deacon Jones with the head slap— you know, uh, well, I guess they do. Well, they're you know, right they're in the middle of everything. Yeah.
2: Every
7: single well, with, play. Well, when Deacon shows the pass rushers are on the edge. The yeah, he's in the middle. But you yeah. know, Otto is such an extraordinary exception to the prevailing uh, uh,
1: hard head. That <laughs> yeah. So
7: many guys suffer. I mean, when the Boston University School of Medicine examined the brains of 111 former NFL players posthumously, and 110 of them had evidence of CTE. If that isn't the most damning thing. And in mm, Steve yeah. rule and Mark Fannerowata's book, League of Denial, where the NFL has been in absolute uh, running roughshod over the evidence and obfuscating it and doing all they can to uh, quell concerns and, and draw. I, I mean, they're making claims that there is no connection between one concussion and the likelihood of getting others or denying medical benefits to players who are suffering from symptoms they believe are related to the injuries they suffered in football, whether it be depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and all the other things that we've chronicled and well noted in the recent years. The NFL has been abominably uh, malfeasant in this regard, and I think it's going to come home to roost. but they're protecting their $12 billion annual yeah. Uh, business.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of crazy, though, is that if you were to ask players, you know, or people, or just ask, yeah, potential players, listen, here's the deal: you'll be a starting player, but there's a high likelihood you'll get the CTE. I, I mean, seventy five percent or more will probably still do it, wouldn't sure. they?
2: Well, it's like
7: boxers. I, I, I walked around the NFL. I walked around the Forty Nine er locker room about four years ago and asked guys when the CTE um, revelations were first uh, being known. And they, you're right, Edward. Mm. Most players said, "We know the risks coming in, although they didn't truly, and we're yeah. willing to accept that." Or isn't there wasn't there a study? I not a study, but a, a proposition that Sports Illustrated made to a bunch of NFL players a number of years ago. They said, "If you could take a pill,
1: it was it was the Olympians.
7: Was, they said, yeah,
1: it was the Olympians. They said, if if we could give you a pill." and you'd be guaranteed to get a, uh, a gold medal, but you'd die within five years because of that pill, 95% of them said they'd still
2: take the pill. Well, I mean, that's, uh, the, that's the young athletes, though. They're thinking yeah. of the here and the now. Maybe that's – is that part of it, Rich? You think that you're just – yeah,
7: was... yeah, well, you know, Chris Borland was telling me yesterday, you're so ingrained with with the all-consuming love of the game. Mm-hmm. So ever since you're 10, 11 years old – when you're a, an aspiring a star player, it's all-consuming. And yep. there is great gratification and camaraderie, the competition, the glory, the the fanfare, the adulation.
1: Yeah. And, and don't forget the money, you know, right? Because how many of these guys are going to be able to make that kind of money outside of football?
7: Yeah. Well, but let's also recognize that 20 and 30 years ago, it would, these guys had a moonlight and work in the office. Yeah. So the big money only came recently, and it only – it only, um, it only comes to a handful of players of the, on the 53-man roster. Not to say that a three hundred or $400,000 salary is something to scoff at, but the average yeah. career of a football player is only three and a half yeah, years. Yeah. We all know how. And no, no contracts are guaranteed. And the big signing bonuses. Yeah, but that's not what fuels most of these guys initially. It's the love of the game and, and all that goes with it. But now they 're at cross purposes because of the the revelations that are coming to light, so I think football is facing a very
2: serious crisis I think it 's unfortunately going to die, probably a long, slow, painful death it 'll take a long time though yeah. because. Pro football's been around since 1920. The game has been extremely popular in this country since 58, that famous Baltimore-New York yeah. overtime championship game. And it's going to take a while. It's ingrained. It's, an, it's a big part of our culture. And, and especially if you start getting more exciting Super Bowl. There was a time oh, when the yeah. Super Bowl was getting kind of boring yeah. uh, for whatever, you know. The, oh, we've had the some game. amazing Just, games. Yeah. Just the, 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 last exactly. one, the, the last one was probably the best of all, with yeah. Brady coming back from a 28-3 deficit yeah. against the Falcons.
7: That was incredible. Yeah. All right, guys. Spain is going to die any more than boxing? Boxing is still here.
2: Boxing is still here, and football will probably still yeah. survive. It's just not going to be king will, of the hill. Boxing anywhere. is a little
1: different because it's one on one. You yeah. know, so it's but a little it's different. Still, but. it's just as dangerous. Oh, oh, absolutely. More so no, in no some but respects. but I mean, it's just yeah. it, there's one thing to get you know 60 players on, on a yeah. you know, situation. Anyway, yeah. hey guys, stay with us. We're going uh, to get cut to a break, When we come back. I Want to talk a little bit about Jerry Jones and <laughs> the Falcons, uh, and and uh, and our favorite Vice President Pence, yeah. and uh, I want to talk about a little bit about that uh, from an economic standpoint sure. for a minute okay so here's our second trivia question again we're talking football which running back set an nfl record for scoring 40 points in one game Ooh. all right that's okay. our trivia question don't touch that dial sports econ 101 will be right back I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sports econ101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sports econ101.com.
8: Nobody wants to get ripped off, broken into, or robbed, but nobody wants to pay a lot of money to have their home protected either. I've got an offer to tell you about to provide home security for your home. For a simple rate as low as $19.99 a month, for real, with no installation or equipment charges. And this is from a company rated number one by a leading consumer research company. According to the facts, most of you won't even call unless there's a burglary in your neighborhood or something bad happens. So let's give you a reason. Save money. For as low as $19.99 a month, with no other costs, you can get your home secured. Plus, get a lifetime equipment replacement warranty. You need protection for your home. Call the Home Security Hotline right now.
0: Call 800-587-4281. 800-587-4281. 800-587-4281. Call now. That's 800-587-4281. And now, today's General Steel Building Tip.
4: Buy a large lot with a friend or family member that can be split into two smaller lots. Some of the most appealing properties may be much larger than what you want or can afford, yet the seller may not be willing to break up a large parcel. So, if you can share the cost with someone else, preferably someone you don't mind having as a neighbor, you may be able to pick up a great building site for a reasonable price. And now, a word from General Steele. Stocks are soaring, and construction spending across America has
9: been on the rise. If you've been waiting to build, the time is now. Whether you want to expand your
2: business or you want to build a new garage, call General Steel today. Our metal buildings are custom designed for your needs. For example, a 40 by 60 is a great space for an auto shop or a three-car garage. And if you call General Steel today, it's on sale now for under $25,000. Call 844-91-STEEL. 844-91-STEEL. That's
1: 844-91-STEEL. Welcome back to Econ 101. One more time,
2: I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan.
1: Second trivia question, which running back set an NFL record for scoring 40 points in one game?
2: Let's, let's let our guest Rich Walcoff take a stab at that one. Well,
7: okay. I, I was going to go with Gale Sayers. So was I. We've had six touchdowns against the 49ers back in his heyday, but that would only add up to... Thirty six points, so, points yeah. uh, and I don't think he was kicking PATs. No,
2: he no. wasn't. No,
1: he wasn't. So you have to go back. Bef- we have to go back before Gale Sayers. Yeah,
2: I'm going to say go back to the 1940s to somebody even who was earlier, also- the 20s. Yes. George Hallis? No, no, not George Hallis, Tim but Dorp. George uh,
1: 1929. Oh, Ernie Nevers. Er- yes, Ernie, Ernie Nevers. Nevers. Who, by
2: the way, interesting story. Ernie Nevers, Stanford uh, graduate, played with the Duluth Eskimos. An interesting story about Ernie Nevers. I grew up in a community where Ernie Nevers lived during his retirement. So we used to have Little League... Uh, dinners and he would show up. Oh, wonderful man! And he had white hair and he was a big husky guy and yeah. friendly. And, and this guy was in his seventies by then. But he was 30. one of the Ernie Nevers was one of the legends of the NFL back in the nineteen twenties yeah. and I think early thirties. Great. College I mean, that's play.
1: when that's when the, you know, just well, yeah, college just started like eighteen ninety well, something. College but, uh, football was much
2: more popular, popular than yeah. the NFL until the nineteen fifties. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. even even then, it was still you know up until the early sixties. So, well, what do they get
1: in Oklahoma? What do they get? A hundred thousand people showing up? Um, you know, still uh,
2: college football hasn't lost its popularity. It's just pro football past it, I think. Damn. I think that's going to change too. Anyway. Interesting.
1: Okay, so hey, let me uh go go back to what I was uh before we went to the break. So, okay, Vice President Pence, right? right? He attends the ga- I'm going back a few weeks when he attended the 49er Colt game, right? now they, they make a big deal out of the fact that he had uh, walked out during the kneeling process, right. right, but they make a bigger deal out of the fact that uh, taxpayer you know that it cost taxpayers you know two hundred forty thousand plus another fourteen thousand for the um, for the cops the extra mm-hmm. c- security well, whether he kneel w- whether he went walked out or not, they still would have had that cost right, right. but but here's my my point unless there's specific business being talked about you know like he he's going to a game because he's going to a game right, right. he's not going to russia to talk to putin about <laughs> business or nuclear war right why should the taxpayers have to pay for a personal situation i understand you got to protect you're the president you're talking about the vice president the pre- yeah talked about yeah, talk to, yeah. Well. and i understand i understand you know you got you got to have security for right. that for in, this, obvious divi- in this
2: divisive age we live in I, unfortunately i mean we are more divided now than we've been since the civil war that's yeah, but 100... why can't he pay for it himself? If you're going to... Well, how, how can he pay it for himself? He's only getting his... You know, public servants are not paid, believe it or not. They're not paid that highly. Even the President of the United States, I think, makes only a half a million a year. That sounds Is like that a the... lot of money, but yeah. it's not... It's
7: 200000 if I'm... It well, used to you, it
1: used to be. Yeah, I think, I think that it's that up to about half a it, yeah. million now, but I, I don't think... Yeah, but Trump needs it, though. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know, I, I hear your point. I, yeah. I, I just think it's... Um, I don't know. It's hey, it's yeah, it's I, one of the many things that are kind of crazy about this guy. I I, I I'd rather have you talk about Jerry Jones because there's an interesting uh, character. Okay, okay. And, and I, let's I, I, get just, Rich's just... let's get Rich's take on Jerry Jones because I have yeah. my own thoughts about him. What's okay, your...
1: so so there's there's a story about Jerry Jones threatening to move the Cowboys to Canada. <laughs> I have
2: to laugh. <laughs> what do you
7: think, Rich? Oh my goodness! Now this is the first time hearing of this, yeah. so I am I am flabbergasted oh, no, because Jerry Jones. I've always thought was a total fraud. I mean, linking arms with the players as yes. though I'm one of the guys, <laughs> this pseudo-solidarity, when you know he's the, he's the plantation owner of NFL owners, is just the height of hypocrisy. And uh, he's as phony as his facelift.
1: Yeah. Well, and then the next week wasn't it the very next week he said you know no more kneeling for anybody.
7: Yeah. Well, it's yeah. also
2: interesting that he was the guy that really you know one of the driving forces in the Raiders moving to Las Vegas, and it isn't it. Well, I think I think it's just as.
7: Well, wait. Excuse me. Let's yeah. not get off topic first. Okay. Because. Sure. Jerry Jones is the guy who signed Greg Hardy to a contract last year. The man who who was charged and convicted of horrific. Uh, domestic violence, putting machine gun to the head of his girlfriend in the bathtub, threatening to kill her. But he found it okay because Greg Hardy was a heck of a pass rusher to give him a one-year, $5 million contract. And what do
1: you have a problem with that for? (laughs) Yeah.
7: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say he's always going to do what's good for Jerry Jones, and, of course, he's going to do what's good for the league if it helps him. This whole thing about suing the league because Ezekiel Elliott now has to serve a suspension for alleged domestic violence. I mean, that, to me, is, is the epitome of absurdity. It's just another grandstanding move to get more attention. I mean, he's an attention Well, war. He,
7: he, he's just a very self-serving guy. Now, in one respect, you understand that there is a lot of hubbub over this seemingly arbitrary and all-over-the-map uh, measure of punishments handed out by Roger Goodell, but the Players' Association gave him that authority in the in the recent cba so he is judge jury and executioner if you will and when he gives ray rice a two-game suspension for almost killing his fiancee with a one-punch knockout in an elevator the outrage ensues then he bans ray rice indefinitely and ray rice's career ended at the age of 28 despite his remorse and his girlfriend now white's uh, contrition as well so hmm. You you see the disparity in the treatment of these cases all over the place, but that's the deal that the players made with the owners and Roger Goodell within the last uh, collective bargaining. But
1: but just think how much money uh, Jerry Jones would save on the payroll by moving him to Canada. I mean, the, the the payroll in Canada is really low.
7: Yeah, what's he going to do with that billion dollar uh, edifice, uh, the the Jerry Jones mausoleum down in uh, the stadium he built by the AT&T Stadium, which is just an incredible mecca?
1: Rent it out to uh, Metallica or other bands. By the way, know? when was the last
2: time the Cowboys were in a Super Bowl? That's been a few years. 1995. 1995, yeah. 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 And I know, I know he's been you know, frustrated by that, uh, too. You know, it's interesting. Jerry Jones is a fascinating character. If you take him away from football and you sit down and talk to the guy, he's actually quite charming and interesting. But I think when you're a public figure and you have that much money and you're, you know, sort of the face of the franchise, uh, you know, your your whole perspective gets a little skewed, don't you
7: think, Rich? Well, he's a, he's a narcissistic uh, character to the, first, to the first degree. Look, he played college football at Arkansas – uh, and I think with Barry Switzer, uh, that was the kinship. you got to know what you don't know. Jerry Jones thinks he knows more about football than lifelong football scouts and GMs and executives and coaches. And it's a major reason why he is, his franchise has struggled despite so many, uh, uh, so many opportunities to, to rise up. Now, they did land two tremendous Rookies last year, and Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, maybe the best two rookies to come into the league in one team in recent memory. But I don't know how much credit Jones gets for that.
1: Well, here's something funny too: is that uh, I guess there's kind of an issue between uh, the Falcons owner and um, the and uh, and Jerry Jones, and so (laughs) the uh, Falcons. uh, You got to figure that okay, since they didn't like each other very much. Uh, the Adrian Claiborne get got a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus for reaching eight sacks, which mm. you know he probably would not have gotten, right? But I guess Jerry Jones going, you know what? I don't like that owner. I want to see him pay that seven hundred fifty thousand. We're gonna put some third stringer in there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, it's just a different world. It's a different world, and I think unless you're a privy to it, in in you're kind of uh, involved on the on the side, as Rich was as, as a broadcaster, and I was to a lesser degree. I traveled a lot with teams, but I didn't. I only worked on the sidelines for a couple of years. You know, and, and you really sit down and talk to these guys and these owners. I got to know Al Davis, uh, you know, slightly over the years. They they are just from a they're just in a different world. I mean, it's you you're kind of in a chambered not you're sort of a chambered Nautilus. You're not really paying attention to the to, to many of the things that are going on outside your world because you can't afford to. You have to be focused. But, uh, was she, well, was well, Jerry
1: uh, did he get his money from oil or real estate
2: yeah how did Jerry Jones get so rich I,
7: I don't know i don't know that but let let's remember most of these powerful owners enormously wealthy surround themselves with sycophants and they hear the all the glory to them and it, and it's all it, it's it's almost like royalty mm. you look at most of the owners in the NFL and they carry themselves like they are kings of the court. So is it any surprise that they are outraged by the player protest? It threatens their bottom line.
2: Yeah, no question.
7: They don't treat players, generally speaking, as... Uh, members of the team, they are chattel. They are property.
2: Well, that, that, let's go back full circle. and we I know we're running out of time. We're talking with Rich Walcar from KGO Radio, longtime sportscaster in the San Francisco Bay Area after over 30 years with with the number one radio station here doing sports. And Eddie Debartolo started off very, very uh, a bad way because he, he tore a football team apart. In the first couple of years, it was a joke, but he got Bill Walsh in there, and he built up. Walsh build-up, as you mentioned earlier, a, a great uh, organization. And Eddie actually treated his players pretty well. But he had a, had a rough side, too. And, uh, you know, give us a little, a little sort of a profile of, of your experience with Eddie DiBartolo and what you've learned.
7: Well, you know, the very first time I met him uh, in an in a, uh, interpersonal way was when I was driving to Candlestick Park in 1986 to deliver a $4.8 million check with the then head of KGO, Mickey Luckoff, and uh, that was to get the broadcast rights to the 49ers for three years, $1.6 million a year, handed the check to Eddie D. on the air live in the afternoon at Candlestick Park at a, at a ceremony, and he put his arm around me and said, Kid, anything you need, I'll be there for you. <laughs> it was, you know, Eddie, if you were, if you were on his side, he would do anything for you. And players swore by him because he would take care of them with higher salaries. With I flew with the 49ers in the team charter for three years, 84, 5, and 6. We had a chef on board with the prime rib being carved in the aisle in the, in the chafing dishes. and it was, it was single rooms on the road whereas most other teams made you bunk up with a, a teammate and the like. But if you crossed Eddie there was that dark side. I mean, Ronnie Lott was involved with a, a tough negotiation in 1990. He eventually got a three-year, million-dollar-a-season contract. But when the 49ers stunningly lost that NFC Championship game in the final minutes when Roger Craig, Craig fumbled away ahead. the ball and the Giants wanted Candlestick to avoid a 49 three-peat, the Niners had 10 days to decide the plan B for agency, who they were going to protect and who they were were not. And Ronnie Lott was left unprotected because he refused to take a 50% pay cut. Eddie was so enraged, emotionally, you know, bent out of shape about that championship game loss that he said to Ronnie, you're a half-time player. You're a part-time player. You should get half the money. Mm. Ronnie said, "The heck with that. He left and went to the Raiders, and guess who led the NFL with 10 interceptions in 1991?
2: (laughs) Silver and Black. And guess who didn't make the playoffs in 1991? The 49ers.
1: Hey, you know, when when you handed that check to Eddie and he said, anything you need, you should have said, uh, can you endorse the check over to me? That's what I need.
7: (laughs) No, actually, when Mickey and I were driving to Candles, that guy said, we could go to the airport. And be in Brazil in about eight <laughs> uh, I've never heard this story.
2: That's a great story, that is Rich. Good. That is. Hey,
1: Rich, you know what? we got to cut to another break, and thank you again for uh, being with us. Great Always stuff. a pleasure to have you yeah. on.
2: Appreciate you. My your, pleasure, guys. Good yeah. success. Today. All right. All right. Boy, what, a, what an interesting character, and we only touched the surface with the stories. Yeah. That well, one about, I never heard it. You know, I've known Rich for 30 years. Never heard that one about the presenting the check, the check to Eddie. Check. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Pretty
1: good. $4 million back then. Ooh, that was a lot of money. Yeah.
2: Now it's just chump change. Oh, Boy.
1: That's a yeah. weekend salary for you. <laughs> I wish. I <laughs> wish. Okay. Here's our third and final trivia question Which quarterback set an NFL record by being the first to have 10 300 yard passing games in one season? Ooh, that's our trivia wow. question. Okay. And you will have heard of this quarterback.
2: Oh, I'm sure I will have. <laughs> I don't know. I can't <laughs> right off the top of my head think about it uh, or think about who he was, but I'll, I'll try.
1: You'll. you'll but, yeah, I don't know if you'll get it just by yeah. this by the question, but yeah. you, you will know the okay. quarterback. Don't cool. touch that dial. Sports Econ One One will be right back with some closing comments.
3: 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Boy, we're having so much fun
2: off-air off laughing. Uh, apparently, <laughs> well, you're going to see those folks, the few that are watching us there. On the YouTube channel.
1: Uh, YouTube channel, the you yeah. can see it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, so it's, uh, it's George Carlin, baseball versus football. Yeah, we'll
2: talk about that sometime. Uh, sometime, but yeah.
1: at least people who hear this on the air right now can yeah. at least YouTube it. Yeah. All right. YouTube uh,
2: George Carlin baseball versus football. It's hysterical. The late, great George <laughs> Carlin, the uh, the comic Comedia, who passed yes. a few years ago. He he was terrific for 15, 20, 30 years. All right. Here's our last trivia
1: question. Which quarterback set an NFL record by being the first to have 10 300-yard passing games in one season? That's pretty good.
2: Yeah, time. it's fairly recent. I'm going to say in yep. the last 30 years. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Dan Marino? Uh, no. Rich Gannon for the Raiders God, in 2002 right. I should know I covered that team I traveled <laughs> with that team that's right boy they had a team that was a yeah the problem was that Barrett Robbins their center went AWOL oh, the yeah. night before the uh, Super Tampa Bowl Bay, and yeah. that just killed him it just threw everything out of whack and and John Gruden also had coached the Raiders for four years so he knew everything yeah. about what Bill Callahan was going to do and Tam- I think Tampa had five interceptions and two return yeah. for t- two or you, three return for touchdowns don't you think
1: the uh, uh coach for the Raiders should have known. Bill Callahan was
2: a very good assistant, but not a good head coach. Not a good coach. Okay, yeah.
1: here we go. Here's our thoughts for the day. Uh, the only thing that hurts harder than a failure is not trying. Mm. And good if you point. don't build your dream, someone else will hire you to help them build theirs. <laughs> I like that. Ain't that the truth? That's the truth. That's
2: why we all need to be self-employed. I, hey, listen. I did it, I've been in broadcasting forty-three years. About, I'd say, eighteen of those years, I've had to do freelance work, and it was rough. But I managed to, to make a living and had a good time doing it. And you got to set pretty much your own hours. I mean, and, to some degree, yeah. But I, I went to a lot of games. That was what I wanted to do. I covered a lot of games. You know, I've covered over almost almost six thousand major league sports <laughs> events. College I want games. you to remember every single one of them. <laughs> well, I can tell you about some great Super Bowls and World Series and NBA oh, championships. Sure. But uh, no, that, that's a that's a great thing to have the best seat in the house for those things. Oh yeah, yeah. tune in
1: next week to Sports Econ One Hundred and One. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long.